Welcome to season two of the SCMRC Lead Podcast, featuring epic supply chain lessons from our industry partners. My name is Donnie Williams, and I am the Executive Director of the Supply Chain Management Research Center in the Walton College at the University of Arkansas. Season two of the podcast will be hosted by Mike Grain. Mike is the Director of the Retail Supply Chain Initiative, and this is a strategic partnership within the SCMRC. The goal of this initiative is to surface the challenges and opportunities of on-shelf availability, or OSA, focusing on the concepts, tools, and technologies driving retail OSA. Season two will feature a dynamic guest list of retailers, CPG suppliers, solution providers, and industry leaders to drive collaborative efforts and advance learning within the industry. Thank you for joining and enjoy the podcast. In previous podcasts, we've talked about the importance of the supply chain to on-shelf availability. I am extremely excited to welcome my good friend, Dr. Brent Williams, to the podcast. Dr. Williams is the Associate Dean for Executive Education and Outreach and Garrison Endowed Chair in Supply Chain Management in the Sam M. Walton College of Business at the University of Arkansas. In his role as Associate Dean, he leads the Walton College units that connect to the business community. These units include executive education and several outreach centers. He led founding and the development of the McMillan Innovation Studio on the University of Arkansas campus and the Walton College at 2nd and Main in downtown Little Rock. He previously chaired the Department of the Supply Chain Management at the U of A. Dr. Williams received his Ph.D. in Business Administration from the University of Arkansas, where he concentrated in supply chain management. He held previous faculty positions at Texas Christian University and Auburn University. His research program focuses on how retail supply chains can develop and redesign planning and execution processes to meet the demands of today's changing marketplace. He has published more than 25 articles in leading business journals, such as the Journal of Operations Management, Production and Operations Management, Decision Sciences, and the Journal of Business Logistics. That is quite a resume. Dr. Williams, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Mike. Thank you for having me. Wow. You have quite the bio. I, I think I got to get a drink of water after I've read that bio. That's a long bio. You've done a lot of stuff. It, it looks like you went to the University of Arkansas. You got your degree in supply chain, then went to a couple of other universities, including our friends down at Auburn University. You were there for a while. And somehow the University of Arkansas was fortunate enough to get you back. What, what, what brought you back to the University of Arkansas? Well, maybe a couple of things. One, uh, I am an Arkansan, uh, and uh, so that was quite helpful, you know, but really from a professional standpoint, uh, all of my work, as most of my work as a researcher and, uh, and what I teach has really been about retail supply chains. And um, where else would, you know, an academic like me uh, rather be? Uh, than Northwest Arkansas. It's a tremendous laboratory, if you will, uh, for, for learning, you know, and that's, I just, I just all, I found that retail supply chain was all around me almost all the time when I was out in professional settings. And uh, so it was a place for me. Awesome. Well, it is, it is really, really good to talk to you about this. And, and I've, um, I've talked in pretty previous contexts of all of this is about the retail supply chain. This is the retail supply chain leadership initiative. 
and and really I try to simplify things probably too much but I'm thinking there's three reasons why products are on the shelf either the on hand is inaccurate and we have ghost inventory and we had Justin Patton on a few weeks ago talking the ch about the challenges of on hand accuracy we had Jack Buller a couple weeks ago talk about the problem of store operations and labor and getting product out of the back room and getting out of the sales floor etc and then there's this big mystery word that nobody knew what it was a year ago and now everybody talking about supply chain it's the supply chain so before we get into the supply chain i would love to hear directly from you about do you have take off your supply chain hat for a second do you have a personal example where you ordered something online or you went to buy something in the store and it wasn't there and how did that make you feel from a customer perspective well, uh, probably have many of those kinds of stories, like probably all of us do in multiple kinds of setting. You know, I'm uh, my family and I are truly omni-channel shoppers, you know, so uh, from buying in the store to ordering fully online, having it delivered to buying online and picking up in store, you know, and I'd say we've had successes and failures in all of those different omni-channel fulfillment options. Uh, but just just over Christmas, uh, you know, going to uh, to buy my daughter uh, an electronics uh, piece of electronics for Christmas. I did check on, you know, I, with electronics, I'm, I'm kind of, uh, I don't know, kind of a hands on want to be in the store for whatever reason and uh, probably more comfortable taking it and taking it home than having it delivered. You know, and I looked on this retailer's uh, website and found my local store and uh, know enough to know to look for, do they have any of these of what I'm looking for and said it was there and ultimately it wasn't there. Mm -hmm. uh, or at least the store associate or the store employee couldn't find it. And, uh, um, and so I don't know which of those are true, to be honest with you, but I know as a customer, um, I didn't walk out with what I want. And now I was offered many different opportunities by that store employee, well, hey, you know, we've got another store 20 miles up the road. Uh, I can check on that or we could order it and have it, you know, and, and all and what I'm thinking all the time when I hear those options is, well, hey, I could just order it myself and have it sent to my house, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, you know, I, I think there's probably many of us out there that have experienced that. Uh, that disappointment one way or the other. Hmm. Yeah, it's always amazing to me. They, they think people don't have access to the Internet. And they, you haven't already done your three days of research on the Internet to figure out which electronics item you want, what model number you want, et cetera. So you walk into the store and they go, well, we don't have that Vizio model, but we got this LG model. No, I'm not switching. I've done the three days of research. I know what I want. I'm not switching just because you don't have it. And so that's a, that's a great example of that. So, well, um, there's a lot of questions about the supply chain. And, and obviously, you know, as I said, mentioned before, a year ago, they didn't, nobody knew what the supply chain was. Now everybody's talking about the supply chain. And every time I hear it, it's like, well, bread's not in stock because they haven't unloaded the containers out in the middle of Pacific Ocean, which for us, we just laugh at and go, no, those are not connected. But hey, everybody's blown and that kind of stuff. So tell me about the importance of the retail of the supply chain when it comes to the import of a future of what retail is going to look like. Well, I think it's going to become, it is already of absolute critical importance. Um, what I think is the complexity only increases. I mean, uh, you know, I gave that story of, of being disappointed. 
but I could probably, you, you know, we think about the times we're disappointed. There were probably 99 other times, you know, where I walked into the retailer and I got what I wanted and I left and, mm-hmm. and they satisfied me. Um, you know, and I think retailers have an increasingly complex world to operate in, of course, right? I mean, we just name multiple fulfillment options uh, for getting the cu- getting me, the customer, the product that I would like. Uh, operationally, that's really, really challenging uh, mm-hmm. to uh, to operate in those with those multiple kind of fulfillment options. You know, but ultimately, right, you know, the supply chain's job is to get it to the retailer you know, to that spot in the store or from whatever fulfillment point that they're going to get it to me um, so that I can be happy. And, you know, and I think I think what the pandemic did from a supply chain standpoint, at least for all of us as consumers, you know, I think it really highlighted, wow, hang on. There's a lot of magic that goes on uh, before I actually pick up my box of cereal or the computer that I wanted or the piece of apparel that I wanted, you know? And so um, actually in some ways, I think it's good for us to have that awareness uh, as consumers. But again, this gets increasingly complex uh, and consumer expectations uh, grow increasingly. You know, I mean, you know, you and I, we want the product when we want it, where we want it and uh, are probably increasingly impatient for it. Uh, So it's a it's a tough job for retailers, but it's critical that the supply chain functions quite well. Yeah, and and I I think the other piece of that is you know, there's nothing that was normal. I mean, on a normal basis, you probably sell about the same amount every single day or whatever. Maybe there's a little bit of seasonality variation if it's sunscreen or something like that, but it's pretty predictable, etc. Nobody predicted the incredible increase in demand when COVID hit and the horde, you know, horde chopping kind of thing, etc. And it, it took it seemed like it took a pretty short period of time to let the supply chain recover and stuff started coming back in but now we're still seeing out of stocks and paper towels and bread and meats etc and i think as a consumer they're going nobody's panic buying anymore for the most part except for our snowstorm that we're having right now nobody's panic buying why in the world in the world isn't stuff on the on the on the shelf for the customer i understand the panic buying that happened for COVID, but what's going on now what do you tell somebody like well, you know, I mean, I, I don't know that I've fully got all the answers to that, but I think there's a couple of things going on is that, you know, I think one thing we learned during the pandemic or that got highlighted is, you know, I mean, we think about process and, and technology all the time in supply chain. And, oh, yeah, we think about people, too. But, boy, didn't this highlight the uh, the critical nature of people in the supply chain, you know, and so some of the pandemic has been, you know, not only just the difficulty to hire people and to have them in positions, you know, but just lost productivity and missed time. How do you, how do you juggle around that? And then, you know, once you, once you have a, you know, once you have an issue, a disruption in a supply chain, it ripples, right? We all know now we probably almost all of us have heard about the bullwhip effect and it just takes time to recover. Well, We're not experiencing just one disruption. It's multiple types of disruption hitting at different points in time. So, you know, so you're right. We saw tremendous spikes in demand for certain products, you know, but early on. Right. I mean, uh, you know, there were 
probably lots of products that saw real slumps in demand uh, at first. Uh, and then demand came back. You know, for some, it was there was panic or hoarding, you know, panic buying or hoarding. Uh, and then that creates a ripple through the supply chain. So we just got multiple of those things hitting, you know, all at the same time. Mm. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, I mean, I, and I don't think you can look at a store like a Walmart store and go, oh, the reason we're not having product on the shelf is this, because in, in the, in some of that, it's truckers that'll transport product. We don't have enough truckers. In some stuff like, you know, stuff that's coming over from Asia, it could be on a ship, on a container that's sitting out in the ocean that can't be unloaded. Uh, for some, it's just, hey, guess what? It's paper towels. When that pandemic hit and the hoard buying happened, it sucked all of the excess capacity out of the supply chain. I got to go back and cut down trees and ramp, ramp up my manufacturing because nobody anticipated that. So that ripple effect and that bullwhip effect, and, and I'll put a copy of that you know picture on the screen for people to be able to see. That's a real phenomenon where if point of sale is just kind of cruising around, by definition, you're going to have ripples of the supply chain. Well, there was nothing normal about the panic buying that occurred when COVID happened. And I think, frankly, we're just still trying to recover. I think it's going to take a while for us still to recover just from a supply chain perspective um, yeah you know um, Mike one one thing that I've focused on a good bit during my career was forecasting you yeah. know and uh, you know one one thing about you know typical types of forecasting is that you want data that represents is somewhat representative of what the future looks like uh, in order to use models to properly predict you know what future demand is going to be well, the data feeds, you know, are, you know, have all kinds of noise in them now. Um, and then also, you know, one of the other causes of bullwhip is probably the buying patterns, not only of consumers, but now as a retailer, as a supplier, how I have to react, how I feel like I have to try to game the system to get maybe more than my share of an allocation of a product that's short. Right. And all of those things now create distortions in the demand signals uh, that are, I think they're just going to take a we're seeing. Right. It's going to take a while for us uh, to sort of let that noise get out of the system. So how accurate if I'm sitting in December of 2019 before the pandemic ever happened and we played out the next six months of forecast for paper towels or meat or eggs or cheese? How accurate were those forecasts? You know, I, I don't know that I can exactly answer that, but I can say for the products that you just said, really um, predictable buying power patterns, we can predict those pretty well, yep. right? You know, we can take the we can take the the time series data. We know when we might do a promotion, and we know what the lift has been off of previous promotions we can get pretty close. Now, there are products, right, that sell much more slowly uh, or, you know, that are much more seasonal, you know, that can be more difficult. But for those staples, you know, that was pretty easy, relatively easy to predict what demand would be. Uh, but, you know, once you get into 2020, that's not the case, right? Yeah. And then, you know, but then also you don't know what's real either upstream. And what I mean by that is, you know, I may have had two retailers if I'm a supplier for one of those products. And Mike, 
is thinking, Brent is not going to give me my share. Uh, I'm going to increase my order a thousand percent, just hoping he gives me a hundred percent, you know, like a tenth of that, you know. And so both not only the, the sales history, the order histories, those got a lot of noise in them. Yeah. So what are some of the important metrics? If I'm either a retailer, a brick and mortar retailer, or if I'm a supplier, what are the, some of the metrics from a supply chain perspective that I absolutely positively have to focus on? Because it's kind of like you're driving a car or you're flying an airplane. What are the three or four gauges you're going to be watching to make sure we're in good shape to keep moving forward? What are those when it comes to the supply chain? You know, well, of course, you're always looking at sales, right? First of all, um, you know, um, and then you're, you're also looking at some measure of inventory, uh, you know, whether that's raw inventory levels or inventories as a percentage of sales, et cetera. You know, critically important uh, forecast accuracy uh, is one of those really important metrics that both retailers and suppliers are, are paying attention to. Um, you know, and then and then I would say lead time, uh, both from a total length of time, but then also the variability associated with those lead times. Um, all of those things. So if you think about if you think about the forecast accuracy, the amount of lead time, the lead time variability, and the total sales rate, you know um, that that you have that you're dealing with, all of those things. Uh, our inputs into how much inventory do I need to carry to try to meet the service levels, you know, that, that I've historically wanted to achieve. Uh, so all of those, at least from a supply chain standpoint, are, are really important. I don't know if, I don't think I said on hand accuracy, but in a retail environment, of course, that's really important, right? Because if my on hand inventory information is not accurate, multiple things you're right i gave you the personal story of well it said it was there and i couldn't find it um but now all of a sudden if it's not accurate you know my ordering system doesn't have accurate inputs to place orders to the suppliers uh at the appropriate time or in the appropriate quantities uh so all of those are really important gauges if you will for the health of the supply chain yeah that's a that's that's a great perspective i've, I've often I've often had this conversation with people of, you know, why is the supply chain so hard? And part of it is the demand signal that you get from the end point, which is probably most likely the store. When you start thinking about when does the store need to know, when, when, when do they know I need to order another case of this for whatever, whatever the product happens to be? And there's really three metrics, right? There's how much do I have? That's the on-hand accuracy, and we've already studied that. That's anywhere between 50 and 60% accurate. How much do I think I'm going to sell, which is the sales forecast? What's your experience on, you know, something like a Blu-ray player? What's the range of accuracy of a sales forecast from your perspective? Well, you know, on, a, on something like a Blu-ray player, I, I don't know. You know, I mean, that's the hard, actually the hard thing about forecasting and i'm probably going to give you an it depends kind of answer right you know but it also depends on what level you're trying to forecast at you know right. so it's really hard to forecast accurately uh at the daily or weekly level at the store times a couple hundred thousand SKUs, maybe or a hundred thousand or fifty thousand you name it you can quickly realize oh my goodness we're talking about a huge 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 number of forecasts great point if i back up in the supply chain and i say you know 
how many Blu-rays am I going to sell over my 1,000 stores in the month of December or the month of November? Eh, I can do a pretty good job of that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think you're right. It is, it's, it's more complicated when you add more factors. But let me go back to my original example. If my on-hand accuracy, how many I have, is 50%. And let's just say the sales, the sales forecast for an item for a store is even 75%. And I think that's being generous. And the lead time, which is if I order today, how long before I get it, that's probably pretty good, right? Two out of the three factors that determine when I say I need more product are off. I mean, way off. Now you multiply it by all of the stores and all the items and all the categories. Honestly, it's kind of an amazing fact that we're as in stock as we are. <laughs> when you think about it, there's a lot of things that have, have reasons. And, and I think that's why this is so important. So, um, so, so literally a part of this is in, in your sponsorship and your leadership has, has thought through the entire retail supply chain. Like you said, both of us have spent our entire careers probably in different ways trying to make sure, make sure that we are making a difference in the retail supply chain. We're going to be starting as part of this podcast as the first step as a retail supply chain leadership initiative to hopefully identify some of these supply chain. What are you hoping to get out of that? You're, you're sponsoring this work and Dr. Williams is sponsoring this work and Dr. Waller, et cetera. What do you, what's your vision for what this particular initiative can do for retailers and suppliers who are listening to this podcast? You know, I think it is, I think it's multifold. Uh, one, one thing that I like about what we're hearing from this kind of conversation is we're sort of presenting both sides of the, of the coin, both perspectives. And I think being able to learn from a retailer, learn from a supplier, you know, learn from a technology company and the various perspectives on this podcast and quite honestly, whatever we do uh, will be a real value. Um, I, I also think that you're probably going to uncover some key things that that companies uh, can take away that maybe they can make changes in. You know, like you mentioned um, you meant th this isn't new, but it is one thing to call out. You mentioned trucking. You know, you mentioned the lack of drivers as a constraint in our supply chain. Absolutely. Uh, uh, understand that. Agree. You know, but when I when I think about, you know, a given truck driver's time and they've got X number of hours in the day, the question I start asking my is how much of that time is actually productive? Hmm. Right. You know, um, so if that if that truck driver can get into the dock and turned around faster, you know, and we just gained an hour of productivity in the system for that driver. You know, we didn't have to add a driver to get that productivity right now. Processes had to improve. Maybe uh, technology had to be invested in differently. You know, so I think there'll be some of the I hope that there's some of those kinds of conversations that don't just say, well, here's the problem. Here's some potential ways that as a supply chain set of partners, which is a pretty large number of firms usually involved in getting you know, even, you know, I've got my I've got my trusty notebook in front of me. Just getting that to me involves a lot of players that have to connect and collaborate uh, and and jointly create new solutions and new ideas. And I hope this spurs that, you know, and then finally, for me at the University of Arkansas, 
uh, a really important audience for me is, is, is our students. You know, we're, we're fortunate at the University of Arkansas uh, to have the number one uh, supply chain program in North America. I know. We've, se- we've seen the sign. We've seen and the we, sign. Uh, I can't take <laughs> no credit for the sign. Uh, that's Brian <laughs> Um but you know what's you know what's cool about it, Mike. Um, end of the day, what's really cool about it is that you know I think I hope employers you know look and say you know what there's a bunch of students at the University of Arkansas that that hopefully are getting a great education, they're getting a good internship or two, you know, with a great company either in Northwest Arkansas or somewhere else, they can help they can help build my supply chain of the future. Um, you know, and so, and I know you've worked really hard uh, to make sure that this content is getting into our classrooms and hey, it's not just us that can benefit. You know, if you're at another supply chain program uh, across the country, why not incorporate this into, uh, into a module or a class that you have? Right. You know, and so I really think these learnings will make a real difference for industry partners and for students. Well, you started off with that. This is a hub of retailer expertise. Obviously, you've got the biggest you know retailer out there with Walmart. You have the biggest one of the biggest transport tra- transportation companies with JB Hunt. You got Tyson, and last time I checked, we got about twelve or thirteen hundred suppliers that have co-located offices in Northwest Arkansas. My vision is really to bring technology and logistics companies into it. My vision is also connecting them with students. Um, I don't think you have to necessarily, it's great if you want to do an internship, but I think just as good as an internship, doing a special project with a supplier and retailer where we allocate students to do a study or or, or to, to figure out a problem and figure out some solutions to that problem, giving them real live experience without necessarily even have to allocate to do an internship, but just doing it as part of the work, as part of the supply chain is exciting. My vision is pretty simple. I want the qualified and ready-to-go people who graduate the University of Arkansas with a supply chain degree to have a job lined up six months before they graduate. They yeah. shouldn't have to go out and try and find a job afterwards. And and I want them to have people literally begging and trying to get them to come to their company six months before they get their degree. Why not? Why shouldn't we expect that? Because you got brilliant students here. It's really connecting them to the industry so people know what they can do. They're bringing both academic as well as practical experience, and they're always looking for great new talent. Why wouldn't they go to U of A to look to find it? Well, you know, I'm, I may be a bit biased, but, but I think uh, I think it's a great place. I think it's uh, it's a great place educationally. But as you just said, right, being in this area offers lots of opportunities, whether that's an internship, whether that's a project. And we have yep. lots of classes and instructors that are engaging with industry on those projects. Or, hey, you know, if you're a student and, and you're working in the retail environment right now, um, while you're going to school, what a great set of experiences as long as you're bringing those two things together. You know, um, I was in a classroom a couple of weeks ago and uh, uh, where we were introducing ourselves and a young lady was talking about the work that she's been doing for the last three years uh, in a customer facing role. And we just talked about what a huge advantage you're going to have in your supply chain career. So I see all these experiences coming alongside the education making our students ready to hopefully help your company not only operate efficiently and effectively, but, but hopefully also innovate in the future as well. 
That's awesome. Well, Brett, I've got one last question for you. All right. What questions should I've asked you that I didn't? And what would the answer be? That is always the toughest, isn't it, Mike? Um, You you know, I think that we didn't talk much about the role of technology in this particular podcast. I know you probably uh, have already and probably will in the future. You know, but but I think really um, our retail retailers, our suppliers, working effectively with technology companies to solve some of these problems, we know is going to be critically important. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, you know, so I kind of it's almost like a triad, or it's more than that, right? It's the it's the retailers, the suppliers, the technology companies, it's the transportation companies, all coming together to create a, a better supply chain in the future. Um, that's what's pretty exciting. Wow. Man, you couldn't have closed that one any better. That's exactly right. Um, There is a lot of technology out there. I do believe in some cases, some of the biggest opportunity is getting the technology people to understand the business because they'll come to you and go, hey, my widget can do this. And I go, I don't need that. It's really cool, but I don't need that. I don't see how that's going to help me. Yeah, but it's really cool, isn't it? Yeah, it's really cool. But that why don't you help and help me stock the shelves? Let me help me change prices. Let me help you take customers. Let me help you have you unload trucks with me so you can see what the work is like. Then go back and build solutions that model what we're trying to get done or reinvent it, one or the other. But they don't do that. Typically, the technology people are just developing technology, and they do it because it's cool not necessarily because there's a business need. So I think that's the exciting opportunity of this as well. Yeah, and Mike, and I think specifically in Northwest Arkansas, one of the real opportunities as as companies think about this, not only as a supply chain and logistics hub, uh, as a hub for supply chain and logistics innovation, um, you know, there's a lot of opportunity if you're a technology company or you're a founder or you're a product manager and you can live anywhere you want, you know, and you're developing technology uh, in the retail space, you can interact with retail, CPG, transportation, you name it right here. So you get to sort of embed yourself in the environment in my mind, at least. That's why I actually think uh, that this region is is going to become increasingly known for innovation in the supply chain. Awesome. Brian, I can't thank you enough. Um, I believe supply chain is one of the key contributors to getting stuff on the shelf. I believe retailers who don't figure out how to get product on the shelf and know what they have and know where it's located for the future of both online shopping and brick and mortar shopping and combination shopping, buy online, pick up and store, they may not be around 10 years from now. They may f- finally end up being being replaced by solutions that do that. And so I'm excited to be part of this. I'm excited to par- ter- partner with the University of Arkansas and the supply chain department. We're going to have you back, and we're going to have you with us every step of the way because we have a lot of work to do, and we need folks like you to help us to, to, to make all this happen. So thank you very much for taking time out of your busy schedule. This has been fantastic. Thanks for all the work you're doing. Take care, Mike. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you for taking the time for this epic discussion. A special thanks to Mike Grain for leading the Retail Supply Chain Initiative. On behalf of the Walton SEMRC, we are delighted to lead with you as we learn, engage, address, and develop all things supply chain to lead the world of commerce from Northwest Arkansas. Have a great day.